Now I ask you, which riches would you prefer to have? Now there are some in this world, give me the riches of the world. That's what I want. But the riches of this world will not take you into eternity. The riches of this world will not reveal to you while you live on this earth the unsearchable riches of Christ. We may not be able to search it out totally, but we can experience some of those riches today. And the riches of this world will never get you to heaven. Only the riches of Christ. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 13. Last week we are looking at the mystery of Christ. This week we're looking at the fellowship of the mystery It's all connected and it's all in a parathetical section that Paul introduced to us in verse 2 of last week where he broke his train of thought. He'll pick up on that train of thought in verse 14. We'll get to that in two weeks. But he broke his train of thought to teach us about the mystery of Christ. And he, introducing himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, was given the privilege to present this dispensation of grace and the grace of God to the Gentiles, a time which takes place from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to his second coming, a time under which God has opened up faith to the Gentiles, so that all who believe, both Jew and Gentile, can come to faith through Jesus Christ. Paul revealed this mystery to us. He calls it the mystery of Christ in verse 4, and he explains what the mystery is in verse 6. And there's three parts of this mystery. So the mystery of Christ, in verse 6, it tells us that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, that the Gentiles should be of the same body, and that the Gentiles should be partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And so this mystery of Christ, all along in the Old Testament, uh, the children of Israel knew that they were the children of God. They knew that they were connected to God because of the a covenant relationship that they had through Father Abraham. The promises given to Abraham were afforded to them. But now Paul tells us that it's not just for the Jews only, but also for the Gentiles, those who are not of the Jewish heritage or lineage. They can be partakers, fellow heirs. They come alongside as equals. They are of the same body. It's not too different bodies, but in the church, under the 
ministry of Jesus Christ, the church becomes one, both Jew and Gentile. Often it's Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. We all become one in Christ Jesus. And that also that we are partakers of his promise. The promises that God gave to Abraham are ours. We need to realize in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 that Paul is, as he has been in chapters 1 and 2, he continues just to tell us about the blessed promises that come to us as believers in Jesus Christ. They're promises that are not so much someday, although there are some someday promises that we have with the Lord. Someday we will see our Lord in heaven. Someday we will be with him. Someday the Lord will return and he'll rule and reign upon this earth. But from God's perspective, we are partakers today. We are in fellowship with Christ today. And that's why he refers to this this fellowship of the mystery. We're part of it. We're not waiting for it to happen, but it's for us today. We can partake of the promises of Abraham. Today we are of the same body. We are the church And whether male or female, slave or free, or Jew or Gentile, we are one in Christ Jesus. As we get into verse 8, and as we go into through verse 13 here, we find as he refers to this mystery, he begins to talk about himself. Now, I just explained that we are partakers today. We're part of the body of Christ. All the gifts, all the promises They are ours. They are obtainable to us today. That can make some people pretty cocky. They could think themselves something special because of that position. But we begin in verse 8 and we find that Paul didn't think of himself in that way whatsoever. In fact, he was the minister of this gift. He was the one who was unveiling the gift, letting people know about it, teaching them about it, writing about it. We're learning about it to this day because of the ministry of Paul that had been given to him by the Holy Spirit. But as for himself, he says, to me, who am least than all of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To me, who am least of all the saints. I think one of the phrases that Paul says about himself that stands in my mind the most comes from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul calls himself the least of the apostles. So you have the 12 apostles, and Paul ranks himself at number 13. I say number 13 because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul refers to the 12. Remember, Judas was replaced by Matthias, and Paul doesn't refer to the 11 where the church in later history has tried to erase that fact from Scripture, saying that Paul should have been the twelfth. Paul refers to the twelve. They're ministers of the gospel to the Jews. But me and Barnabas and Silas were ministers of the gospel to the Gentiles. But he says, I'm the least of the apostles. He's at the bottom of the list. But here in verse 8, he says, to me who am least than all of the saints. So we think of all the saints past. We think of some of the greats like Noah, Abraham, Sarah, or Ruth, some of these saints that have gone before us. We think of all the saints that were living when Paul wrote this. And he wasn't talking just about the apostles now. He's talking about all the believers who were living. He says, I'm the least of all the saints. And yet this grace was given to me. 
that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Why would Paul have this attitude of saying that he was the least? We look at Paul. He wrote 13 of our uh, epistles in the New Testament, and we don't look at Paul as the least. In fact, we think of him as one of the forefront apostles writing 13 of the epistles in the New Testament. And we learn so much from him. In no way do we think of him as the least. So I think something happened in Paul's life that changed everything. Remember when Paul was going to Damascus and he was on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. As the glory of the Lord shone before him in a bright light that all his cohorts who were with him, they saw the light, they heard some rumbling, they heard a voice, they didn't understand it. It's a Greek word that speaks about hearing without understanding. They didn't comprehend what was going on. They were frightened, they were scared, but Paul saw Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to him, Saw, saw, why do you persecute me? See, Paul had a vision, an image. He literally saw, however you want to describe it, he saw Jesus Christ. Remember, he was blinded for three days. And it tells us that after those three days, Aeneas came to him and at the Holy Spirit's command, laid hands on Paul's eyes and said, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And it tells us that something like scales fell from his eyes. For three days, he had a vision of the glorified body of Christ. But I think the scales of hypocrisy and sin fell from him. And from that point forward, he was the least. I would think we would probably think a lot less highly of ourselves if we would see the glory of our risen Savior. Can you imagine standing in the presence of our Lord and how unworthy that would make you feel? And you might think that I wouldn't feel unworthy to stand before our Lord. And I just want to ask you to think about all the saints who either had seen the Lord or seen an angel in the Bible. Every time they were either wiped out, they were on their knees, they were on their face, they were affected by it. They realize the insignificance of their life. And if it was an angel that they saw, the angels would reprimand them for even bowing down or worshiping them. And they would stand them up because they were fellow servants. They understood that they were servants of the living God, just as we are servants of the living God. But to be in the presence of Jesus Christ himself, I believe that Paul had this perspective that we don't get today. That only through the Holy Spirit could he humble us in such a way for us to say that I am the least of all the saints. I don't deserve this. Because he had seen the risen Savior. But God had given him this grace. This great grace that God has bestowed upon us and in faith to know the Lord, to come into salvation. But he extended that grace to Paul that he could present this mystery that he should preach Christ among the Gentiles, preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, God is, if he saved us, he's also given us grace. It's by grace you have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you have been saved by grace, but God also gives us grace to minister to other people. Now, we may not be presenting new revelations like Paul had the privilege of doing, the unsearchable riches of Christ. But we can present, now that these revelations have been revealed to us through his word, we can present these to other people. We can 
conduct ourselves in such a way around other people that we minister Christ to them. We have also been given this great responsibility. It's through grace that we have it, but it's through the unsearchable riches of Christ. I thought that was interesting, that phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, I was thinking in the Bible of two different types of riches that are exposed to us in Scripture. There's the riches of the world or the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, concerning the riches of the world, we find Jesus himself speaking and saying in Mark chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. How hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. So in the riches of the world, it's hard for those who have riches to trust in God. It's hard for those who trust in their riches to enter into the kingdom of God. There's not a lot of rich believers today. There are some, but the majority of the rich in the world today, they struggle because of the riches. Because of the riches, they feel that they have no need of God. In this parable of the sower, Jesus talked about riches. In Luke 8, 14, he said, as the seed had been sown, the one that fell among the thorns, it tells us that they were choked out with the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. See, the riches of this world can choke us out, that we have no fruit. You're not maturing. We get concentrating on the cares, the riches, the pleasure of life, and we bring no fruit to maturity as believers. Jesus said in Luke 16, 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, which is money, the unrighteous money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? See, there's this idea of God saying, look, I want you to be faithful. He gives us the things that he gives us, but we are to be stewards with the things that he gives us. And if we're faithful with these things, he says, I'm going to introduce to you the true riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, I, I want to be faithful with the gifts that the Lord gives me through this life. And and I want to be a good steward of the things that he gives to me. Lily feels the same way, that we're good stewards. To be good stewards with the gifts that the Lord has given us. Because I want to have the true riches. I want to know the unsearchable riches. That Greek word for unsearchable simply means it's footsteps that cannot be traced. You know, think of someone going out to search for a lost dog, a lost child. Uh, you're hunting, it's in the winter time or whatever in the fall and you're able to trace or track your prey but then it comes to a place to where you can't track anymore it's unsearchable and these are presenting to us the unsearchable riches of Christ but in totality yes they're unsearchable in totality we can't begin to fathom the vast magnitude of the unsearchable riches of Christ but I did a little searching. I was tracing through Scripture to see what Scripture said about the riches of God. And there are some things that we can learn. There are some things that we can trace out. In Romans 2.4, it tells us that the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. There in Romans 2, the Jews had rejected 
God and the Messiah. And he says, they did not know the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So we have the riches of goodness, the riches of forbearance, the riches of long suffering. In Romans 9.23, it refers to the riches of his glory. In Romans 11.33, it's the depths of the riches of both wisdom and the knowledge of God. In 2 Corinthians 8.12, to the churches of Macedonia, Paul taught that in the great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty, they abounded in the riches of liberality. There he was talking about a church that didn't have a lot financially. But there in, in Corinth, he was writing a letter to the church of Corinth. He refers to the churches of Macedonia. And he said, they may be poor, but they gave, they abounded in the riches of liberality. They gave far beyond what I would have ever expected. Ephesians 1.7, he refers to the riches of God's grace. 118, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. 27, the exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 316, the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might through his spirit in the inner man. You know, we are living in times where maybe it's like the churches of Macedonia where we're struggling financially. There's a, a crisis around us. But Paul wrote to the church of Philippians in Philippians 4.19. He says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's got to supply. Now we can have the reverse of this as the church. We were looking at the riches of the world and we're looking at the unsearchable riches of Christ. But as the church... Paul desired of the churches of Laodicea in Colossians 2.2. He wrote concerning them saying that their hearts would be knitted together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. To the church of Laodicea, Paul wrote to them and said, I want your hearts to be knitted together in love and I want you to obtain all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, Colossians 2, 2. But sadly, we read in Revelation 3, verse 17, the Lord Jesus Christ talking to the church of Laodicea, the church that we know better as the lukewarm church in Scripture. And he condemns them for trusting in the riches of the world, feeling that they had need of nothing, but in reality, Jesus saw them as wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Now I ask you, which riches would you prefer to have? Now there are some in this world, give me the riches of the world. That's what I want. But the riches of this world will not take you into eternity. The riches of this world will not reveal to you while you live on this earth the unsearchable riches of Christ. We may not be able to search it out totally, but we can experience some of those riches today. And the riches of this world will never get you to heaven. Only the riches of Christ. First Timothy 6.17, Paul tells Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives richly 
all things to enjoy. We're not to trust in uncertain riches. You know, it can change. We were watching it. How many of you have, maybe some of you have, but for a couple of years now, it's like, I should have bought gold. I should have bought gold. I should have bought gold. You know, you watch it go from like three or four years ago, somebody put one golden coin, one silver coin in our offering plate. So we didn't need the funds, so we just held on to it until we had to cash it in. And so we cashed it in at about 600, the gold, about 600 something an ounce. And then the silver was, it had actually at that time lost money. They had bought it for $11 for a silver coin, and we got like $7 for it. So it had fell in value. But that's not the case today. Just a few weeks ago, gold was peaking at $1,900 an ounce, but last week it dropped almost $500 in a day or in a course of a couple of days. I don't know where it's at now. It's rebounding some. And how would you like to be that person who, I got to get in right now, $1,900, I'm going to pay it. And then the next day they wake up and it's at $1,400. It's like I blew it. I waited. That's my fear. It's like I'm going to get in when it's going to go down and then I'll lose what little I do have, instead of doubling or tripling. And so I stay out of the game. Because why? Because they're uncertain. You're not sure. They can go away in a heartbeat. But what is certain, what is sure, is the riches that God gives us through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what riches do you trust in? The riches of this world or the riches of the living God? In verse 9, he says, to make all see. So this is still part of his grace that was given to him that he should preach among the Gentiles. Number one, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Number two, verse nine, to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers of the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's stop there for a moment. So to make known the fellowship of this mystery, there is kind of a debate between the proper translation of verse 9 because the Texas Receptus translates it as koinonia, which is the word for fellowship. And that's why we have the fellowship of this mystery. But it's a word that means dispensation. So it has been translated, depending on what Bible you're looking at, either as the dispensation of the mystery or the fellowship of the mystery. Dispensation, as we learned the last few weeks, because dispensation has been part of the teaching of Ephesians. It speaks about a, a distinct period of time. And right now we're under the dispensation of the church. We're under the dispensation of grace until the Lord's second coming. We're in this dispensation of time. And then it's also referred to as koinonia, this fellowship that we can be part of. It's asking the world to look into the church and see that there's something unique about the church. And Paul is talking about the Jews and Gentiles worshiping Jesus Christ as one, being as one. It goes back to verse 6 where it talks about us being fellow heirs with the Jews we're together with them that we're different. And it's so cool to go to other places and worship when you're wanting Christ Jesus. And, and you can go 
across the continents. You can go um, into other parts of the world. You can go down the street to another church. If we're truly worshiping Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can worship together as one. And there is this koinonia, there is this fellowship. And to the world, it's a mystery. Father, I pray that you would be with us, that you'd bless us. Thank you so much that you've been with us today. Thank you for this wonderful testimony in your word. And ask, Lord, that we would come to understand and know the unsearchable riches of Christ. I know we won't know everything, but Lord, help us to search out what we can know. Help us to dig through the word of God. Help us to see and to look at the testimony of nature of this world, of the witness that you have set before us. And Lord, help us to be the witness that you desire us to be because principalities and powers are watching. And Lord, give us the boldness. Give us the access. The access is already there, but Lord, we lack boldness so often. Help us by faith come before your throne boldly because of the work that, Lord, you have done in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let go.